there and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us on the podcast, Kevin McGee. Kevin is a friend, um, a friend of Africa, and someone that I love being around. He's someone that puts a smile on your face and just a, a great guy all around, someone that has been very kind to my daughter. And so anytime that somebody's kind to your daughter, uh, yeah, they're a friend. But the focus of today is, of the podcast today, is child safety. And so April is Child Safety Month, and so there'll be two specific episodes in this month focusing on child safety. The first one will be this week, and then the following, not next week, but the week after, we'll have have Dr. Julie Lowe with us on the podcast to discuss the importance of safeguarding our families. Today, Kevin and I have a phenomenal conversation. Kevin is the one that I think I credit with bringing this focus of third culture kids, missionary kids, and their safety to the forefront of my um, thoughts and my minds and the willingness to help me engage and understand. So really appreciate Kevin for his passion for this area, for for. Families, as they move overseas, um, they move into different cultures, some of the tensions that can be there, the desire to fit into the culture, and at the same time, safeguarding our children. And he helps us walk through that today, some conversations we can have, ideas. And like I said, I just really appreciate Kevin and his heart and passion for this. He's a blessing to our organization, and um, we're thankful for him, and I appreciate him taking some time to be with us today. Do want to ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and answer um, questions sent in by listeners. It's always a phenomenal time to sit down with Dick. He offers some gold and great insight, and yeah, he's just a, a friend and mentor that's, that's fun to hang out with. Well, there's no time better than now to get started, so he here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have a friend with us on the podcast, Kevin McGee. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Kevin, you and I have known each other uh, for many years, but there's probably some people listening into this podcast that, that don't know who you are. So would you go ahead and take a few minutes just to share a little bit about yourself, what you what's important in your life and what you would like for the audience to know? Sure. Um, my wife and I both grew up as TCKs in West Africa. Um, met there. We we dated when we were in in boarding school and high school. And uh, like like many TCKs, we we basically dated whenever we were in the same country. And um, in college, we it, God made it clear that our paths were meant to be together. Uh, we we married, um, had three kids. We moved them to East Africa, where we served as missionaries. Uh, working with TCKs there um, from 2004 until 2016. Uh, we currently serve um, with the TCK ministry based here in the States, but we work globally. Uh, we're, we're just passionate about TCKs um, growing in their, in their journey with Christ. Uh, our, our desire is for all of them to be disciples of Jesus, and uh, we're just grateful that we have to serve in this community. It means a lot sure. to us. For sure. Third culture kids. So when you think of a third culture kid, what do you think of? Um, third culture kids, obviously, uh, the definition is it, it talks about kids who have spent a significant part of their developmental uh, time, their development, developmental years in a culture other than their than their passport culture. OK, uh, it's there. There have been a lot of conversations about broadening the the definition and uh, do you include cross-cultural kids, all that stuff? Um, to us, it doesn't matter to us. International students, third-culture kids, cross-cultural kids, we love them all. Uh, they, this, <laughs> this 
this international global lifestyle it just changes the way kids think and, mm-hmm. and for adults as well. I mean, there are a lot of adults. I know that they don't fit the, the technical definition, adults who spend a significant part of their life overseas. But I've seen that the impact is quite similar. Uh, they view the world so differently because of that experience. So I, I don't get hung up on the on the definition per se, but yeah. I just think of those those international students, international kids who have grown up with a lot of international influence. Yeah. That's kind of who I think of when I think of TCKs. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Kevin, this is this this podcast is going to launch at the beginning of April, uh, which is Child Safety Month. And um, you are the first person that really brought this subject to my mind, um, that brought it in front of me. Um, a lot of my passion for this subject, I think, it starts with you. So when I look back, it points to you and your passion. So where did your passion for this subject of child safety, um, TCK safety, MK safety, whatever, Child safety, less just all children. Where did that, sure. where's the genesis for that? Uh, for me, it, it kind of started out initially. Um, I had a really positive experience growing up as a TCK, as an MK. I did nine years of boarding school. It was hard. I started out in first grade and it was, I won't say that it was easy to, to be away from my folks then. But my whole experience, all nine years that I was in boarding school, all the interactions that I had with my parents, colleagues, uh, with the, the national workers and church leaders were all extremely positive. And so the first time as an adult, when I started hearing about some of my contemporaries who had grown up in similar places and realizing that their experiences were very different. Some of them um, had experienced trauma that I wasn't aware of. Some of them had actually experienced abuse that I wasn't aware of. And my initial, and I'm embarrassed to say this now, but my initial reaction was like, how dare they, you know, say that this experience was was rough. Um, but it, it became clear to me that these things really happened. Like these negative experiences are really a part of their experience. Uh, it was really a part of, it's very formational for them. Um, and so I, I started becoming aware that this was more of a concern. Um, I worked in, part of what we did in, in serving in East Africa, we worked at a school. Um, and in that role, um, I had the opportunity to go to a child safety protection network, CSBN training. And in the initial training, like the introduction part, uh, we got to hear some firsthand accounts of of adults who had been abused as children growing up internationally. And I was I was just blown away with the the gravity of what they had faced, the heaviness, the darkness, and by God's grace, they had. They had processed it, but it doesn't mean that it. they still didn't carry the deep wounds of what had happened to them. And that was the first time for me that I, I started to get really passionate about finding a way to make a difference. Um, unfortunately, mission-setting organizations, churches are far from immune from this trend of, of having children that were in their care that were not protected. And that just started to awaken to me. I don't I don't want to be known as the child safety guy. Like no one really wants that. It's, you know, I just spent six days at a, in with CSPN last week and it's, it's heavy and no one really enjoys being around that, but I'm, I'm passionate about seeing what we can do to keep kids safe. Um, we, we can do better. We should do better and we will do better. Yeah, it's good. You talked, that's one of the, one of the first conversations I remember. And then as we started, we went through the training the first time and talked about it. You talked about the heaviness and the darkness of this subject. Can you, could you just share a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe that uh, the enemy that, that we all battle is is the devil himself, and uh, he he likes he operates best in darkness. And I don't believe that we as as God's people are ever created to to harm children. That's that's I mean, children are very 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 dear to the Lord's heart. And so when when the enemy can deceive us into a situation where we become complacent and people that that should be safe and should be protecting kids are able to harm kids there's just a real heaviness there's a real um, spiritual oppression that happens and unfortunately many children who experience this are because just because of the way the the human mind works uh, the enemy really keeps them in, in a place of darkness and by that I don't mean that they are participating in anything that's wrong, but that darkness and that heaviness, that secrecy, the shame that goes along with what they've experienced, it's all part of his deception to keep to keep them um, from experiencing the relationship with God that, that he intends for them to have. And anytime you begin to um, have conversations about this, anytime you begin to address this, you're you're really you're really beginning to tread in a place where the enemy likes to hold people in captivity and it's anytime you begin to, to move forward to address these issues, you're going to experience that darkness. It's Mm. heavy. Um, The enemy wants to harm. He wants to, to destroy. And um, that's where I think the darkness is, is this is not something that we're, that any of us are ever meant to experience. But unfortunately, because of our broken nature, we, we find that, really dark things are, are taking place. For sure. For sure. So Kevin, you have, you've raised your kids overseas. You've, you've grew up overseas yourself. What are some things that you think um, families maybe can improve on when it comes to child safety or maybe some things you've saw, you know, I don't want to say mistakes because then it seems I'm not trying to be judgmental for families. I, I made a ton of mistakes myself, so I'll say it on the air. Um, but what are some things you, when you look, over the the landscape, you think these are some things maybe families might be able to do different to make steps to protect their children? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that uh, we we need to have a greater awareness um, as parents, as global workers. We just need to be aware of how common this danger is for our own kids and for the kids in our care. Uh, we we are a very trusting community. Um, we're we often, you know, live in compounds. We 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 live in close community. We work on teams that sometimes the teams are are, are working together in very difficult places, and so they're it's natural for them to to really cling tightly to one another, and that that can be extremely healthy. Um, we know that that kids actually thrive when they have multiple safe adults that are you know pouring into their lives. That's all really good and beneficial, but unfortunately, sometimes because we're not aware of the the risk that that are present, um, we, we let our guard down. We assume that because these are people that we love, these are people that we care about, these are people that, you know, share the burden that we have for, uh, for the type of work that we do. I think that's probably the biggest danger for families is to assume that they're immune from this um, and to not be aware and not be vigilant. Uh, I, I believe that we're called to a higher standard. And sometimes we, I know for us, when we, when we got to the field, you know, there's the expectation you're going to go to language school. And uh, one of our children was old enough to be in school 
during the day while we were in language school. Um, the other child, uh, our middle child, was uh, four years old. So she ended up staying with um, someone who worked in our home that we barely knew. I mean, she had come with high high recommendations. Um, and then uh, the baby went with us to language school and uh, had a had like a nanny at the language school who, who took care of him. Um, I think that a lot of times we're expected to just, just trust everyone in, in our world when we get there. And, and that can at times put our kids at greater risk. So I think I think people just being aware and being feeling comfortable asking difficult questions. Like if 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 you don't know that this person is trustworthy, then it's okay to 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 create a different scenario until you can find that that safe space where you know your kids are going to be okay. Yeah. So you're you're encouraging parents maybe to ask questions. Is that is that what I'm hearing you saying? Absolutely. I think um, the you. I mean, the biggest advocate for your kids is obviously you as a parent, and the person who has the greatest responsibility for their safety is you as a parent. And sometimes we're we're uncomfortable asking those questions um, because we don't want to be seen as someone who's not trusting um, that we're not trusting the the people in the country where we're serving or our colleagues. And and it's not about that. I don't think. I don't, it's not about trust. It's just about making sure that. Um, we've all been vigilant and it helps and not only protects our kids, but also protects the other adults with whom we're interacting as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you kind of hit on that, that idea of the cross, there's a little bit of cross-cultural pressure um, to fit in and and not offend another culture. Um, and how you shared just a little bit more about that idea of fitting in culturally um, asking questions, maybe it is with colleagues, but then with culturally there is, there is some pressure, at least I felt it, to fit in and you don't want to offend. And, and like you said, you're leading with trust, but you sometimes you don't even speak the same language and you don't understand the culture, what's accepted in their culture, not accepted in their culture. Can you just share a little bit more of that, that idea, that pressure to fit in when it comes to the cultural context? Yeah, um, it it can be really, really challenging to navigate that. Um, some cultures have a really high regard for kids and for their safety. Um, one of the benefits of, of serving where we did is kids are really, really valued. Uh, I know that when we would go to restaurants, um, Jonathan was a baby at the time and every, I mean, the waiters just loved him and they would, they would come in and carry him around the restaurant. The whole time we were eating it was great. Like we didn't have to worry about, you know, um, watching <laughs> him uh, but it, not everybody serves in a, in a context where that is the case. And I think, um, oftentimes people who are veterans in the area, might be a great resource. They can help explain some things that you may not be aware of in the culture. I know there are some cultures where interactions with children, there are certain things they do uh, when children are upset that we may feel very uncomfortable if sure. we knew that that was a part of of the experience that, that our children might be having. So just finding out what those things are and then finding out how to navigate them. Uh, it's tricky. It can be uncomfortable. But I think ultimately... Um, I would place a higher priority on protecting children mm. than on appeasing culture. Mm. Uh, not everything about culture in our own culture, uh, I would say this is true as well. Not everything about culture is great and to be and to be celebrated. Sure. Sure. Um, some of the things in my own culture aren't aren't uh, postured in a way that would, are meant to protect my kid. Yeah. So I would say make sure that. Once you're aware of, of of things that are going on in the context and in the culture, uh, make sure that if someone's going to have responsibility for caring for your child, that it's very clear to them what your expectations are, 
and how you intend for those adults to interact with your children. Um, I, I would much rather have some slightly offensive conversations um, than to deal with the fallout of, of having realized that my child's been harmed um, because I, I was unwilling to be a little bit uncomfortable and that I was more concerned about um, offending culture than protecting my child. Yeah. So Kevin, is there ways that you found that you can begin those conversations? Cause I think sometimes it's the awkwardness of just getting the conversation started. Um, and I know sure. a lot of people, there's a hundred some odd countries listening into this and it's, we can't talk about every culture, but from your experience, how can you just begin the conversation? Cause I think once a parent can just begin or a team member can just begin to get those 30 seconds of awkwardness over, they'll roll with it. But a lot of times the big hindrance I've seen, even for me personally, is just like, where does this fit in my day? Like, or when do I have the conversation or how do I have the conversation? You know what I mean? Should I have it with Heather in the room with me or should it just be me or should, does, does that, am I making any sense when it comes to that? Sure. Yeah. I think um, obviously you're you're at a huge advantage if you're going to a place where you have colleagues who already have cultural experience in that context. Yeah. I think you're at a big disadvantage if you don't have that luxury. Um, if you don't have someone who can who can help you navigate it, uh, it's important. I mean, just for any family transitioning to a new culture, the the more quickly you can find a cultural coach, the better. Um, but that's not always an option. Like yeah. it, you may be going to a place where the community isn't used to interacting with your culture. And so they wouldn't know how to coach you because they don't know what's what your expectations are and how they differ from their own. Um, I think being able to ask, and it may be that you have to delay certain things about your transition to the new culture until you can learn some of that stuff. Hmm. Uh, there could be a tremendous pressure from your organization for you to start language school. Well, it may be that one of you starts and the other one doesn't so that there's someone to care for your child initially until mm. you learn enough about the culture to have the conversations. Sure. Um, that that can be uncomfortable. There's some organizations that are fairly inflexible when it comes to that. <laughs> um, I would encourage parents, though, to be willing to dig in. Um, if there's an organization that that isn't compassionate toward your concerns for keeping your children safe, um, this sounds a little bit harsh, but there are other organizations that will be, that will be compassionate <laughs> about that. And uh, it's, it's just a whole lot easier to do the uncomfortable work up front and yeah. start that conversation than it is to try to repair once damage and harm has been, has been done to your child. Yeah. And Kevin, do you then, do you re then recommend that parents have conversa age appropriate conversations then with their kids too? And any, any thoughts on that? Oh, uh, 100%. Um, I think it's a, uh, and again, this is a cultural thing. Some cultures are very comfortable talking about uh, uh, conversations like human sexuality. Like there's some cultures that are super comfortable. Others where that's a real taboo topic. Um, and, and I think the sooner we can have those conversations in age appropriate ways, um, but the sooner we can have those conversations, the better. Um a lot of times as parents, we feel ill-equipped to have those conversations. Like, how do we know if we're giving too much information? Like, we don't want our kid to be the one who goes to the preschool and educates <laughs> all the other kids. You know, then you have those, those awkward conversations with other angry parents. But also, I think when kids have those conversations with their parents, um, a couple things happen. One, it does give them an awareness when something isn't appropriate. They know that it's not. Um, sometimes kids can be deceived. They're, they're very gullible. They're very trusting um, by nature. So if you don't have that conversation, they may not realize that something is, is dangerous and is harmful. 
Um, it also, um, when, when they're more aware, they're more comfortable coming to their parents when something does happen. Um, I just heard a story at, at uh, the CSPN training I was just at last week. I was a teenage boy, actually, that um, uh, someone had sent him an image that was supposedly of himself, an inappropriate image of this, of this child, this, this teenage boy. And it had been a deep fake where they had his face on a nude picture and they were trying to, to blackmail him with that and extort uh, money and, and whatnot from him. Obviously, he was pretty terrified as a teenage kid, you know, of how this is going to be perceived. Fortunately, he and his parents had open conversations about this kind of stuff. So he was able to go to his dad and say, hey, dad, I'm terrified. This is what's happened. And his parents were able to help help him navigate that. Obviously, without a conversation, this kid is left on his own trying to figure out how he's going to navigate something really uncomfortable. And for younger kids as well, um, if if parents have had safe, comfortable conversations with their kids when something is off, um, even when a kid just has a concern and wonders if something's off, they're going to be comfortable coming to mom and dad and saying, hey, this happened you know, at preschool today or this happened at school today. Is that something that I need to be concerned about? And parents can help navigate that. So, yeah. Um, and for parents who do feel ill-equipped for this, um, first of all, know that you're not the only parents who are in that boat. Um, sure. We're all there. Um, secondly, there are a lot of um, resources that can help you. Um, there's uh, one that I'll recommend if I can find it here in my notes. Yeah, safersmarterkids.org. Um, so that's safersmarterkids.org. They have a lot of resources that are age appropriate, particularly for younger kids. They have some really great things that can help. It, it, it presents um, important information in a way that's not like scary, terrifying. Um, it, it's a fun way to have the conversation with kids, but at age, and it has all the different, it's broken down by age groups so that you as a parent can look at the material and then figure out how that's going to apply to your kids. So yeah, uh, to, long, long answer to your question, but yes, parents no. need to be having these conversations with their kids. And Kevin, that pressure, we talked about the pressure for the parents to fit in culturally. Does that also, can that also be projected onto the TCKs to try to fit in culturally and they know their parents are there and their parents are trying to fit in culturally. Can, should parents, and I don't know that I'm not trying to give a leading question. I'm, I really don't know. Should they tell their parents, have conversations with their kids that you can say no, even if it's culturally acceptable, but we need, you know, it's our culture at home or any, any navigation on that, on how the, so kids don't feel like they have to do whatever the culture said. Cause you said even, even American culture, it, it's not, yeah. it's not a hundred percent pure I don't know if it's 50% pure. Um, yeah. So, but we can say no there. But when you get into a, another context, then it can be more challenging because you think, hey, my parents are here. They've come. They want to stay here. I don't want to cause any problems. I just want to blend in, fit in. Any any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. Um, again, I think that it's important for our kids to know that we that we have their back. Um, the The unintentional message that we can send to our kids when we when we don't back them when they're feeling uncomfortable about something that's culturally different is that it's more important for us not to offend this culture than for you to be safe. Mm, so then when, when boundaries are crossed, I, unfortunately kids don't feel like it's safe to come to mom and dad and say, Hey, yeah. I don't feel comfortable with what's happened. They, they can easily be convinced that this is part of the culture and I have to accept it when it's not okay. You know, it is harmful behavior. So I think obviously the, when you're having these conversations on an ongoing basis with your kids, you're just at a huge advantage because you can talk about, okay, something happened and the kid didn't really know what to do. You, they're going to talk to you about it because you've had these conversations. And you can say, look, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. 
Um, we can avoid those places. Sometimes we can avoid those um, particular people that make us feel uncomfortable in that way. Um, and sometimes those conversations can, and the kid can sometimes help when they're, when they're old enough, they can help navigate that as well. Like, yeah, that was weird, but I get that it's a different culture. It, I can handle it. Um, or yeah, that was weird. And it, I did not feel safe. And then parents can, can prioritize making sure that that isn't a part of their experience. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I believe that, you know, our kids are with us for a limited number of years. It, you know, we, we may think it's forever. The reality is if, if our kids can't thrive somewhere, it may be that God's going to move us to another location for a season. Yeah. And, um, that, that seems, that seems like, uh, almost like blasphemy sometimes in our circles. <laughs> where, um, but I believe that our, our first, our first priority and our first calling is to our kids. Yeah. And we have to make tough decisions knowing that God has called us to serve them um, just as much as he's called us to serve another culture. Yeah. And um, there will, there can always be another season when we go back to a place when our kids aren't at risk or when our kids are older and can speak up for themselves. So if, if you're in a place where, where those kind of things are happening on a consistent basis and your kids really are not safe, yeah. it may be worth considering you know, a slight change of ministry for a season until your sure. kids are old where they can really advocate for themselves. That would be a rare situation, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Usually we can help our kids navigate that and we can kind of run interference for them. Yeah. Um, so that would definitely be the exception. But I appreciate the conversation, Kevin, because I think the one thing in our circles is, you know, we want to fit in, you know, and you don't want sometimes if you would in the past, uh, in the past, if you would say that, people would say you're weak, you don't have faith, you don't have trust, you don't have all these things. And then people feel condemned for making a decision that they feel is best for their family. And so I think just bringing that up and sharing, it allows people that are listening is, listening into this to know that they're not the only one that maybe have had those thoughts a bit in that situation. And I think that we're stronger, stronger together for that. Kevin, we've talked a little bit about fitting into the culture and, you know, the, the culture where we're living. But on a, any advice or wisdom for a team that has maybe in the past not talked about child safety and they would like to begin to talk about child safety and they're thinking, how do they navigate that? And then somebody would say, well, why are we talking about this now? We've 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 been for 10 years. We've never talked about this and everything's worked out OK. Or they might say, you know, do you think that I'm, I'm doing something wrong? Is that why you want to talk about now? How can we navigate the conversations within a team that are probably similar cultures or probably the same culture? Um, how can we talk with that without and for it to move forward in a positive way? Yeah, I, I know that can be a little bit tricky. Um, typically, I feel like like say you're some new people have come that have kids and there's an existing team that hasn't really had kids or it hasn't been a concern for them. Um, I can see that there, there often is pushback, you know, when you're initially trying to say, Hey, let's have this conversation. Um, it may be really useful to appeal to their desire to always be growing. Um, hopefully people who are serving around the world, they're, they're, they're wanting to grow. They're wanting to become more effective. They're wanting to be better at what they're doing. And I think this is one area when, where we, we can, we can really grow. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't take long for us to look around and realize that in the mission sending circles and the church circles that that many of us operate in, we don't have a we don't have a, a spectacular track record when it comes to keeping kids safe, and that's and that's a shame. Like we really should be the best in the world at this. 
So I, it shouldn't be a hard sell for people to realize we can do better. And if we can appeal to those who may be veterans and maybe their kids have already grown and moved on, um, we need your help protecting our kids. Um, we need we need your wisdom. We need your experience. We need you to help us navigate this culturally. And some some I know will really be on board with that because that's their heart and that's their nature. Um, the reality is, uh, yeah, if we look at if we look at the research, the research shows this is something that we really really need to spend time as an organiz- as organizations and as sending agencies, but also as teams. And I think also appealing to the fact that doing this well not only protects the kids, that's the priority, but besides protecting the kids, it also protects ministries. You know, if, if a team wants to stay in a particular country and to continue being effective in ministry there, they they can't weather not doing this well. You know, an accusation from someone on their team or an accusation from someone, uh, a local, that they're trying to, to engage in ministry could be devastating for that team and for their ability to stay in that country even. So um, appealing to that should should be a motivator for some of these people. And, and I know for some people it's not. There's already so much going on and they're so busy. Um, there, there are some simple, training, simple trainings that are available, some online trainings that, that people can do like uh, Darkness to Light. They have one called Stores of Children. It doesn't take a super long time to do, but it helps people really recognize what a serious issue this is and some simple steps to be able to alleviate that. Um, I know I've engaged with some teams that have really effective protocols for everyone who joins their team. If you're going to come and serve on this team, here's how you're going to interact with the kids that you're going to encounter. And if you're coming with kids, here's how you can expect for the adults in this community to interact with your kids. And that's just super helpful. Everyone's on the same page. It's clear. Um, I don't know what the process was for them to get from having nothing to having something that's sure. very clear like that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's very effective and everyone comes knowing what the expectations are. There's not a, a big, like, Oh, I didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to be, you know, interacting <laughs> with the kid. I didn't realize that was dangerous. Um, the expectations are clear and everyone's on the same page. And I think all teams can get there. Yeah. Um, there may be some pushback. Um, and, and that's unfortunate. Like I, I wish I wish everyone would understand that this is not about um, going on a witch hunt. We're not looking yeah. for, you know, you know, creepers who are out sure. there intending to harm our kids. We're trying to make sure that everyone is educated in a way that that we're all yeah. safeguarding our kids. We're all working together for the same goal. And I mean, and who and who can argue that that's not a worthwhile sure. goal for us to try to keep all the kids in our care safe? So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. Kevin, one of the, you know, this is a, a challenging subject to talk about, but then it becomes even more challenging when we consider, um, you know, there's data out there that says child on child, um, that the abuse is increasing in that area, in that sphere. Any wisdom on how we can talk about that? Because you can, you know, when adults is one thing, but you start talking about somebody's children, it, it can, you know, it can escalate yeah. pretty quick. Uh, any any wisdom on how to begin to navigate to have discussions? Um, yeah, on that when it's be, when there's a risk for it being from a from a child to a child. Sure. Yeah, it, it is. It can become really awkward. The, the conversation in general, like we all know that, particularly young kids, there's a natural curiosity, and it's not uncommon to find kids, you know, <laughs> um, exploring in ways that that may not necessarily indicate that this is abusive or this sure. is, you know, inappropriate. 
Um, it may be inappropriate, but it's something right. that, that could easily be redirected and sure. could be a learning experience. Um, probably the most effective thing that parents can do to help address this is to have conversations with their own kids. Okay. And, and I know that we're all, we're all afraid of being that parent who overshares with our kids. And then our kids are the ones who educate everybody else. Um, and, and that may be somewhat unavoidable, but for kids to understand what's appropriate and not appropriate, we have to be the ones who are having the conversations with them. Uh, parents have the primary responsibility. Um, so I think that's where it starts is educating our own kids, um, letting them know that um, particularly if they're around um, kids who are slightly older or maybe developmentally ahead of them, um, it's important that they know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and how other kids should be interacting with them. We can also, as, as teams, we can work really hard at creating safe environments for our kids to interact with one another. Okay. Uh, it's unfortunately in our, in our circles, it's not uncommon if we have a team meeting you know, we throw all the kids in one of the back bedrooms of the house and expect everything to be okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're having our prayer time and, as the team. And so it's noisy. So we'll close the door even. Um, I think there are just some things that we can do, even in the way our kids interact, where we make sure they're supervised properly, where we make sure they're in observable spaces so that those things are, we're diminishing the probability that those things will even happen. Um, and that's and that's on us as as parents and as leaders to make sure we're creating spaces that are safe. Um, but nothing nothing will take the place of having those conversations with kids so that yeah. they know when something's off, when something yeah. was inappropriate, when they need to talk to their parents. I, I don't know anything that's going to be nearly as effective as as that, as awkward as it may be. And then, I, unfortunately, when when boundaries are crossed, um, it can be really awkward between parents of the different kids trying to sort out what's actually happened. Was this, uh, you know, just curiosity or was this abuse that, that can be really challenging. And and in situations like that, it's not a bad idea. If, if you as a parent don't know if this is something you to be really concerned about, then reach out to someone who, who's a a professional in child development and, um, and find out from them. Is this something that that we need to look into deeper or is this something that we just need to educate our kids that, Hey, this was not appropriate. And, shouldn't happen shouldn't happen sure. again yeah um this is kind of a curveball i didn't ask you this ahead of time but grooming is that something you see um any kind of things that maybe parents should be should they talk to their kids about grooming um and is that something that you see just some thoughts on grooming yeah i think um it, as far as talking to your kids about grooming i would say for older kids it'd be very appropriate um, to help them understand some some red flags that they could be watching for. I feel like for younger kids, unfortunately, the same things that are dangerous red flags can also be things that we value in the in the adults who are interacting with our kids. So I think we as parents and as uh, as leaders need to be aware of what those those red flag behaviors are for grooming. Um, in case someone doesn't know what grooming is, it's it's the process by which someone gradually wins the trust of a, of a child and the child's caregiver. And in, in that process also begins to um, reduce some of their natural, um, the, the natural inhibitions that a kid may have about some of this stuff to try to make them more comfortable so that boundaries can be crossed. So in that process, I think it's important for parents to be aware of, of it and to watch for those behaviors and, and actually listen to the, the Holy Spirit's prompting um, I feel like that's our, our best our best tool when it comes to watching for grooming behavior is discernment. There are times when someone that you 
ninety percent of of child sexual abuse at, at least um, is that is comes from someone that the family and the child knows and and usually trusts, and so that can make it really difficult in our circles, obviously. Um, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's discernment can really allow a parent to um, to recognize if something is is crossing a boundary or if it's normal. Like some people love to give gifts. That's a great thing. You know, who, who doesn't love for our kids to get gifts? Um, so recognizing when ah, this is a bit strange, this is a bit unusual. This is something that should be concerning. I think the Holy Spirit can kind of help us on that. But yeah, so I would say um, older kids can definitely uh handle that conversation and can also watch for behavior. We don't want them to, you know, not trust anybody. That's not healthy either. But for younger kids, I think it's a little bit more challenging to have some of those conversations about grooming. Um, and that's where the parent has to be really dialed in to, to all the adults that are interacting with their kids um, at school, um, in mission circles, um, caregivers in the home, babysitters, all of that. It's important for parents to be really dialed into how, how adults are interacting with their kids. Sure. Kevin, it has been an honor and pleasure to have you with us um, here today. And uh, will you pray for us? You pray for as we launch into this April, this uh, Child Safety Month, that God will use the wisdom and insight you've shared um, to help keep our children safe. Absolutely. God, we thank you so much that you love all of the kids that are in our care. You love our own kids. You love the kids that we serve. And God, I know that your heart absolutely breaks every time one of them is harmed. And God, we... We as um, leaders, we as parents, we want to do the best job we can in keeping our kids safe. We can't do it without your help. We can't do it without the discernment of your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, please uh, give us that discernment. Please give us wisdom to be able to navigate these situations well. I pray for parents right now that maybe you're hearing this and are recognizing that there may be some concerns that their kids have been harmed. I pray, God, that you would just help them to be able to navigate this in a way that brings healing and, and hope to their kids. For those that have experienced abuse, for those that have been harmed, God, I pray that you would, for those that haven't brought it to light, I pray that you would give them the courage to do so. I pray that you would bring healing to those that have been harmed um, in our circles. I pray, God, that you would just give them um, a complete renewal of heart, mind, and body. Lord, I pray that you would be um, with parents who, who just need they need every tool possible to be able to keep their kids safe. It's challenging. Um, all of us as parents feel like we're we're under-equipped to be able to do this. So, God, we just know that we need your help. Um, help us to do the best job we can keeping our kids safe. And I pray for anybody who might be resistant to to uh, um, being trained and, and doing a better job. I pray, God, that you would help us to be wise and being able to to bring them along on this journey and help and help us to be able to educate them as to the importance of doing this well. God, we know that we of all people should be good at keeping kids safe. And with your help, we know that we can become so. So God, please equip us and we'll be sure that you're the one who receives all the glory for every step that we make in this journey. In your name, we ask all these things, Lord. Amen. Amen.